technical difficulties, but we're going to still have church, amen? If you've got your Bible, be turning over to James chapter 5. We've been walking through the book of James for a while, and uh, it's just been a great time where we've just really been digging in to see what uh, James intended for his original audience and what the Holy Spirit intends for us as we walk through this incredible text. We've looked at trials and temptations. We've looked at favoritism. We've looked at faith without works is dead. Taming your tongue. We've looked at wisdom. We've looked at being faithful in all areas. And this morning we continue to dig into that text. You know, last week we looked at how... Faith invades every single area of our life if we're, if we're doing it the way it's intended to be, even our finances. And we look at James and figure out who was this guy who wrote this, who the Holy Spirit inspired to write, who God inspired to write this incredible text. Who is he? He was the half-brother of Jesus. Now, if your sibling showed up one day and said, hey, by the way, I am the Messiah. By the way, I am the Savior of the world. I'm the hope for all mankind. And by the way, I am 100% man, but I'm also 100% God. How difficult might that be if you're the sibling? How difficult would that be? And how difficult would it be to actually believe that? Because you grew up with them. Ain't nobody know the bad stuff about you like your brother knows. And I know Jesus never sinned, but he was still a kid. Think about that for a second. And don't think that James was just trying to get some credit and some glory and some some popularity by writing this. Let's not forget that eventually he would die for the faith that he had in Jesus. Maybe it was the incredible wisdom that Jesus showed him. Maybe it was the miracles that he saw Jesus perform. Or maybe it was the resurrection when Christ defeated death and came out of that tomb. But whatever it was, he knew that Jesus was indeed who he claimed to be. And this morning, just maybe you're struggling with who is Jesus. And I pray that this morning you say, maybe it's this incredible wisdom that we find in him. Maybe it's the miracles that he did and he continues to do. Church, does he still do miracles? Or maybe it was his resurrection that we get to experience and walk in every single day as believers. And listen, church, I said it earlier. I know we've got a few more empty pews this morning because of this weather, but we are still going to glorify the risen Savior this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. There's so much going on here that's exciting, Lord. Cole and Josh... Just the way that, that you use them to minister to all of us and, and just the, with their ordination is, is that we just join them in saying, yeah, we agree they are absolutely called to the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. 
in the construction uh, that's going on in the sanctuary that will be going on this week. And we know it's just stuff and this is just a room. But Lord, we really believe this is going to be a room and this is going to be stuff that helps draw people to you. But Lord, all these things that are going on, camp, ordination, upgrades the sanctuary, all this is simply to bring glory to your name. This morning we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would show us more of who you are and who you want us to be. And we just give you the praise that you and you alone deserve. Your great and holy name. Amen. Now, this text, church, is, is one that might not apply to you. You might not need this, so you might be able to just to check out for this. No, not really. Not really. But I show of hands, if you would say, if I had to pick, I'm either a patient person or I'm an impatient person. If you would say, I'm more of an impatient person, will you raise your hand? God's watching. Raise your hand if you're an impatient person. All right. Thanks for that honesty. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I believe you and I respect you greatly. Because I would absolutely have to raise my hand for the impatient person. And we don't like waiting for anything. And if we do have to wait, we want something to occupy our time. Um, If you don't believe me, go to the pickup line at Taylor County Elementary School sometime, the the Intermediate Center. And when you're waiting for people to go, like all of a sudden, like the line will move and there's somebody that doesn't move for like three minutes because they're so lost in that phone whatever they're looking at or, or whatever's going on and, and I can't I can't say anything because I've been that guy so many times and, and I don't know how many times when my wife's with me she says hey the line moved six minutes ago where are you going to go or, or not think about a great meal the best meal the best home-cooked meal that you you enjoy it takes time it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of energy but what do we often do we go for that garbage that you throw in the microwave and a minute later you eat it It's not good and nobody really likes it, but it's quick and it's easy and you don't have to wait. Or we go for the fast food. Listen, nobody believes that stuff's good for you, but we all eat it. We all enjoy it. Why? It's quick. It's easy. You're in the doctor's office and you've got to wait for longer than 20 minutes and you get so angry. And I get it. I do. And then you start thinking that you have these original thoughts and you're like, I should charge them for my time. It's not, we've all thought that, all right. We've all thought that. It's not original. But we think that we don't want to wait for anything. McDonald's, they put two lines in. There are two drive through lines in Campbellsville, Kentucky, McDonald's. Really? And if you want to people, see people really lose their mind, watch somebody go out of like the unwritten rule of the first in, first out order of the double drive through Because they've got to wait 45 more seconds for french fries that are probably going to lead to heart disease. I get it. I get it. All of these things, talking about patience, are important. I think they matter to your life. I think they matter to God. But when James talks about patience, I'm not really thinking that he's tracking on how you feel about waiting for fast food. He's talking about when you are going through the fire that Cole just sang about. When you're going through that fire and everything's falling apart 
Do you have a patience that says, even if God doesn't move now, if he doesn't move quickly, my hope will still be in him. So when we read about patience this morning, if the Holy Spirit convicts you about how you've been acting at the fast food restaurant, praise God. But that's not exactly what this text was intended for. Holy Spirit, you can do whatever you want. But that's not what the original audience needed to hear. So when you read this this morning, keep that in mind. James wants the readers of this text. God wants the readers of this text to have a faith so strong and so full of patience, no matter what happens, you'll be able to live out everything the Holy Spirit has taught us as we walk through the entire book of James. Just think about that for a second. Everything that we've really walked through in James, and I encourage you to read it again. It won't take long. I encourage you to read through it again. The Holy Spirit has taught us, God wants us to have a patience that is so strong and a faith that is so strong that no matter what life throws at you, you can still confidently live out everything that James has taught us over these last several weeks as we've walked through this incredible text. If you got your Bible, turn over to James chapter 5. We're going to read through 7 through 11, and then we'll just kind of come back and go over that. That's James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. <clears throat> I really didn't hear many pages turning church, not trying to call anybody out, but we really need to turn our Bibles over to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. If you've got it on your phone or your iPad, please forgive me. I'm a little old-fashioned in some things. I think, let me clarify, I think it's awesome that you've got it on your phone and iPad I just apologize that I can't hear that turning. <clears throat> 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And when you read steadfastness in here, it's talking about a patience. It's a kind of a next level patience. A pretty incredible passage when we recognize what it's really talking about. Let's read verses 7 and 8 again. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts 
for the coming of the Lord is at hand. When he talks about the early and the late rains, this was written in a region where they would have early rain and then would go a long time without any heavy rain. Then they would have the late Rain. So he was really talking to his audience so where they would understand what patience really looked like to be the farmer. If you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I want you to write down is be patient. He's coming back. Be patient. He is coming back. We don't know when Jesus will return, but I know that we are one day closer today than we were yesterday. I know that he's coming back. He is coming back. And because we know that he will return, no matter what happens, we know that the best is yet to come. We know that we always have reason to have hope. And we're promised some things that when he comes back that it's just going to be incredible. I'm going to read uh, out of Revelation Chapter 21, 1 through 4. Listen to how incredible this sounds. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with Man, he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this church, no matter what you're going through, find some hope in this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former Things have passed away. Church, be patient. He is coming back. He is coming back. And I know, I know that it might feel like everything's falling apart and you don't have any control anymore. That might not be such a bad thing because he is coming back. I'm gonna, I know I've read it a lot. I'm going to read it again. Verses 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the far- farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Next point I want you to write down is this. Be patient. God is at work in your life. Be patient. God is at work in your life. I'm going to go back to James chapter 1 if you want to turn over there. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, I know several of you, most of you really well, and I don't know any of us in this room that is perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing yet. But that lets me know that He is at work in us and through us. God is at work in your struggle, 
in your loss, in your joy. God is at work in your life. I used to be a district manager for a regional telecom company. And every one of our stores was up for a remodel. And we were blessed enough to have um, Brother Todd's company to actually do all the remodel work. They did an incredible job. And being as honest as I can, truthful as I can be, Todd's company would would do these remodels in about one-fifth of the time that it would take most construction companies. They would come in and work around the clock, and it was incredible to watch. But even with how fast they were and incredible they were, it still took about 10 days where we would have to leave our store and work out of this little uh, trailer. It was a really nice trailer, and it had air conditioner that worked a little bit and heat that worked a little bit, but it, it was, and it worked, but it was uncomfortable and it was cramped, and, it, and we were in sales, so it was hard to be as successful. So those five to 10 days, they were tough. I mean, we were still able to make it, but it was tough, and it, it was just wasn't the same. And it was, you know, the frustrations were a little higher, and, and people got angry a little faster, and it just, you know, things just wasn't great. But those ten days would pass, and then we would go back into the real store that Todd's team had completely demolished and completely built back, and it was so nice. And it was designed in a way that helped us to be even more successful in our sales and taking care of our customers. And it was so very nice. And it was worth the wait. Because Todd's team was working through it all. I know you're going through some tough times right now. But God is at work. And I think you'll find that it's worth the wait. You will find that it's worth it. You'll look back and say, that was not fun. But God showed me so much. He taught me so much. He delivered us from so much. It was worth it. And that's how we can have patience when things are falling apart. Be patient. He is at work in your life. Be patient. He's coming back. Let's look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. This is kind of a weird text to throw in there when we're talking about going through difficult times and having patience. But this is what you need to remember. Be patient. God is at work and the others around you. Because when you're going through the fire, when you're going through the struggle, you will be tempted to look at other people and to say what they're doing wrong and say how bad they are and say, why do I have to go through this when so-and-so is much worse than I am? And when, when you're going through the fire and somebody says something that normally wouldn't bother you, it just destroys you and you lose your mind a little bit. And you might be tempted to say things that you would never say or do things that you would never do. And, and James is saying, hey, I get it. That's kind of the process. That's part of the fire. But make sure that you're patient with those other people because God is at work in you, but he's also at work in them. 
And, and please make sure that no matter what's going on in your life, that you're still showing others the same grace that you hope that Jesus continues to show you. Be patient. Your sin might look very different than the sin of those around you. But be patient. God is at work in them as well. He is at work in them as well. Let's read verses 10 and 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Be patient. God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. What does the prophet do? What did they do? What do they continue to do? They speak God's truth. They speak God's love. They remind folks of how good God is. Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. You're going through the fire or Maybe you're about to enter the fire. or Maybe you're just coming out of the fire. But whatever your current situation is or will become, maybe you should just do what the prophets do. When things seem like they're falling apart, maybe you should speak about how good God is. Maybe you should speak to how loving God is. You're going through a rough time. There's never a better time than that to speak To the glory of God. Be patient because God will always keep his promises. The the prophets are often working, we see in Scripture, and they're doing what God called them to do, but you don't see any results. There goes great periods of time, great lengths of time, where it just seems like there is no fruit from their work. But they continue to work. Let's make sure that we learn from the prophets that patience does not mean inactivity. Sometimes we think to be patient, it means that we need to stop everything and just, you know, sit and wait. And while we are called to wait on the Lord, I don't think it will ever be to be lazy in our faith or in our life. May we never get to a point where we say, well, I'm just really dealing with some stuff and I'm waiting for God, so I'm going to say no to anything that anybody asks me about, a ministry opportunity, an opportunity to serve. No, I'm just dealing with some I don't know if that's the example that we're given in Scripture. You can wait on the Lord and still continue to do what He's called you to do. Somebody say amen. Let's make sure we pick that up from the prophets. We've got to be careful because sometimes when we're going through the fire and we want to hear from the Lord, we can make ourselves really busy. And that's equally as as dangerous to our own lives. But we've got to really make sure that we're listening to the Lord, even in the midst of the struggle. He talks about Job and, and, you know, the people he was talking to, they know about Job. And remember, James is saying, I want you to be patient. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be able to go through these trials and and struggles and just be okay. 
and trust God Almighty. So what about Job? Well, Job was a very faithful man, and he was a very blessed man, very wealthy. And our enemy, we have an enemy that's out to attack us. It's like we have a a God who's out to love us. We have an enemy that's out to attack us. Our enemy saw Job. And he thinks that he can cause Job to not have a patient faith. And God allows the enemy to test Job. In just a short time frame, Job lost his children. If I remember correctly, he had seven children he lost. All of his wealth was gone. And Job continued to worship God. Continued to have that faith, that patient faith. And the enemy says, you let me take away his health. And you'll see, he can't survive that. He can't survive being patient if I take his health away. And God allowed it. But he made some boundaries. He said, okay, you can do that, but don't kill him. But you can do that. I want you to really notice that. That the enemy had to have permission from God before he could put any test on Job. And even when he did that, he set some clear boundaries of what could and could not happen to Job. So if you're going through some really difficult times, one, know that God is absolutely involved in your situation and he knows what's happening. He sets some clear boundaries and he's not going to let you anything happen to you that he cannot bring you out of, that he cannot deliver you through. And that will help you find patience, I hope. So Job breaks out into these boils from head to toe. It's miserable. One day he's out there and he's, he's cleaning these sores. His wife comes in. His only living relative comes in and says, why don't you just curse God and die? It's really great spousal encouragement, isn't it? All right, James, so you're telling us to be patient, and this is, this is where we're going? That's supposed to make me feel better? He lost all of his children, he lost all of his wealth, and now he's so miserably ill that his wife's saying, eh, it's probably better if you just go ahead and go. That's supposed to help me? That's supposed to help us? But just remember, these people knew the story of Job. And they knew the last five chapters is when God would meet Job in his brokenness. God would heal him and God would restore many of the things that he had lost. God showed us that even when we experience great loss, even when we lose everything, even when our friends and our family lose faith, We can be patient because Jesus is coming. We can be patient because God is at work in us. We can be patient because God is in work at those around us. And we can be patient because God is going to keep his promises. As our praise team heads back up here, I just want to ask you, are you going through this fire? Are you going through this struggle? Are you going through this difficult time? And if you are, are you remaining patient? Are you remaining patient? Are you being patient for others? Are you being patient 
for yourself and saying, God, is it work in my life? Are you holding on to his promises? I had a situation not long ago where I trusted what some people had told me and, and, and um, put a lot of faith in, in that and was really just trusting them. And it, it, essentially it fell apart. What they had told me didn't come to be. I was just really devastated. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail. It's not really the appropriate place. It wasn't anybody in the church or anything like that. Um, but through it all, you know, you kind of have those levels of like anger and sad. And, you know, just that, you go through that walk. But during this same period of time, I'd just been crying out to the Lord that he would help me get closer to him. Because if I can just be completely vulnerable to you. My relationship with the Lord for the last several months just wasn't what I knew it could be. And I hope you've never been there, but my guess is you have. And I was trying to do the, you know, the Christian stuff, like, oh, read my Bible and pray and, you know, talk to people about it. I was just trying to do all like the, the, you know, the stuff that I thought would help me get where I needed to be. And, uh, you know, you'd have those, those weeks where things are really good and those weeks where you're just struggling. But then this situation I was talking about happened, occurred, and I was just devastated. It just knocked on my, you know, back, essentially. And through that, God showed me, like, I'd been putting a lot of faith in other people instead of Him. And the words of other men meant more to me than His words and His promises. And and while I was walking through that situation, I wasn't praising God for it. But right now, I'm a much better husband and dad and pastor and follower of Christ simply because I had to go through that. So when we say be patient because God's going to keep his promises, what we're saying is be patient because God is going to keep his promises. And it's not fun, and I'm sorry you're having to go through it. But I believe that if you'll just trust Him and go on, when you get to the other side and turn around, you'll say, I'm better because of it. Now, if I got to choose, would I go down the same path? Well, probably not. Would I ask that to happen to anybody else? Probably not. But God does at times because He knows what is best for you. And if anything bad is happening, he knows about it and he's in it and he's on it and he has a plan. But we just need to be patient and trust him. We're going to open this altar in a second. There's going to be some pastors up here if you'd like to come and pray or you can come to the altar and pray. But listen, if you are going through a difficult time and you just want to tell God, Lord, this is so hard and this is so difficult, but I trust you. I'm going to be patient. I know you're at work in me. I know you're at work in others around me. I know you're coming back. I trust you. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and just tell him that. Maybe you need to confess some stuff that you haven't been trusting him. You haven't been patient. But if you're going through some stuff, he wants to help you be delivered. Would you stand as we pray? God, we love you and we praise you. As we have this time of invitation, would you come? Would you come? It's in your grace.